0: Good day to you all, friends and listeners. My name is Jenica, and I'm here today to talk with Wyoming Governor Mark Gordon. Good morning, good day. How are you doing today, Governor Gordon?
1: I am doing well. It's finally looked a little bit like winter, and uh, Wyoming is beautiful today.
0: Oh, I can only imagine. Wyoming is, is, tends to always be beautiful, I think.
1: Well, thank you. Yeah, we, we certainly think that, that, that is the case.
0: Well, I know that you are a very busy man. There's been a lot of stuff going on. So I guess if we can just jump right in it. You've been in the news quite a bit in the last couple of weeks uh, in regards to statements that have been made regarding Executive Order 13990, which stops the federal leasing of oil and gas resources in Wyoming. Would you like to tell us a little bit about what you've been doing to kind of fight back against that, I guess? Well,
1: well, sure, and happy to. And just, just a little bit of context, obviously oil and gas is so important to Wyoming, as is the fossil fuel industry uh, all all, in all. And, and like other Western states, but Wyoming, we're always a little bit proud of the fact that I think we led the effort to just do a better job of making sure that our producers uh, had uh, the resources they need and, and, and the right kinds of circumstances to demonstrate the, the innovation that has made oil and gas industry in, in our country the envy of the world in terms of its ability to keep methane emissions low and, and and all of those things that were done in Wyoming and other Western states before the federal government ever ever saw that. And it's responsible, the industry is responsible for our, the, the lion's share of our budget, about a billion dollars, and... and uh, just, just extraordinarily important. And so when we saw that terrible price war between the Saudis and the Russians last year that that had as a byproduct, and I'm convinced the byproduct that was intended to hurt the shale industry, uh, you, you know that tremendous drop in price, it really knocked the socks off, off of our industry. For the first time uh, since statehood, actually, we we had a period of time, about a month, that we didn't even have one... Uh, rig running in, in the state. Prices had gone negative as everybody remembers. Uh, and so we, we took the opportunity early on, uh, to, to think about what can we do to help some of these wells get completed that are going to be important for the state, uh, going forward. We, we put $30 million towards what we call the energy rebound program, put people back in the field, kept jobs going. Uh, and so on. It's important uh, be, because, uh, you, you know, this, this, these are good paying jobs. They're people that are committed to to doing the right thing um, and, and we wanted to keep that industry going. So when this moratorium came out, uh, I immediately reached out to, to colleagues that I have and I'll just tell you some of the ones that I've talked to. I've talked to uh, governor Dunleavy in Alaska, where about 50% of his production is now, uh, you know, in, in real peril. I talked to Tate Reeve just yesterday, governor of Mississippi, good, good, good man, and, and, and uh, you know, the jobs offshore oil industry that are just being, being attacked by this, this, this bipartisan Biden ban that is just going to hurt Democrats and, and uh, Republican states alike. John Bell Edwards in Louisiana and Michelle Lujan Grisham, governor of New Mexico, just just all the the states that are going to feel the consequence of this.
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah, I can only imagine how vast the the impacts will be um, when everything is all said and done. Actually, and that's quite a good list of names, which brings up uh, another question that had been posed. Actually, Jason Spies was wondering um, with all of all of everyone kind of. Trying to push back or figure out how to work around this executive order. Has there been any talk of a possible class action suit against President Biden because of it?
1: Well, I think there's there's states that are that are looking at at what the legal ramifications are. We really have to get a the the moratorium on the ground and uh, you know to know exactly how to apply those things. But I, I can tell you that. Uh, pretty much uh, yeah, all the states that I've mentioned uh, and, and, and others as well uh, are, are very concerned about this. And I think our first step has been to uh, coalesce and try to get some uh, letters together. I uh, actually, uh, Governor Luhan Grisham and I had a, a call with the White House uh, about a week ago in, in which we said, uh, you know, how important these jobs were how it's wonderful to talk about transition jobs but they're not one for one and maybe they don't pay as well and there really needs to be uh, some consideration given to, given to workforces I, I think that was one of the first things we did uh, reached out to uh, uh, the new secretary of energy designate uh, Jennifer Granholm to, to see uh, you know if, if this administration which we believe they said at least they were interested in doing we continue to work on uh, you you know things like carbon capture and sequestration so we've been reaching out to them on that level but I have to tell you we've been making sure that our our quiver is full of the arrows it needs to to make sure that our country continues to move forward our economy stays strong and, and and I mean just to put it in clear terms it's much better for us to be selling energy to our friends than it is to be buying it from our enemies.
0: Right. Well, it was, so was that then kind of the reason behind the Wyoming, uh, your executive action, uh, 2021-01, that has the four different components and has the state agencies examining the financial and employment impacts? Was that kind of what led into that? Well,
1: absolutely. Early on, as, as you probably know, we had the University of Wyoming uh, do a study basically on Western states and Wyoming in particular, just to say what would a leasing ban mean to our state, and it means roughly 300 million dollars a year lost tax revenue, uh, you know, and a 1.2 billion dollar loss in, in investment in the, in the in the state uh, over over the year, uh, and and on based on that, we also said, okay, each agency take a deep dive, look carefully at what this means because you know it's not just the loss of the drilling rig it's all of the support that goes to make sure that you can drill well you, you know it's 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 uh, the the folks that run equipment out there it's the people that do the fracking it's the people that do the downhole work it's it's uh, the cafes it's the um, you know, it's all the little town businesses that cater to the, the workers. I mean, this—it's a big deal. It is a huge deal, and completely wrecks an economy if you don't—if you don't respect it.
0: Oh, absolutely. So then, so then do you think the next step would be to take that information and maybe put something, uh, well, okay, so I guess let me preface this question by saying that I have noticed that, for example, North Dakota and South Dakota both have uh, legislation introduced to potentially uh, sidestep the executive orders if the state finds them to be unconstitutional. Do you think that'll be kind of the next focus or do you think that the focus will be more on evolving in order to fit where the direction is going?
1: No, we're you know we're we're right alongside. In fact, uh, Governor Bergham and I uh, uh, talk on almost a daily basis just about what we can do to to uh, to push back against these these orders. Um, and and so we're we're right alongside with them. But I think the other thing, and this is that other uh, executive order, uh, which which really talks about. Uh, taking away the regional jurisdiction on, on decisions on things like sundries. Um, it, it just makes no sense. And people argue, well, this is just normal, routine, run-of-the-mill thing. New administration wants to have everything, uh, you know, their way. But what, what's happened is that for offices out in the field in places like Wyoming, if you want to come in and, and, and say, you know, I want to change my pad location, maybe we had an environmental issue we wanted to avoid, we want to change our pad location, or you're going to do something down hole that's going to be different, um, that those things have to go all the way up to the secretarial level uh, before before they can be approved. And it's basically brought everything to an absolute standstill, because if, you know, and I I guess... You know, I can't necessarily fault the the agencies or the personnel for saying, I don't know if I can do this or not, so I'm just not going to do anything. The problem is we have a very uneven uh, implementation of this order across the West. This is one of the things that Governor Luhan Grisham and I were were talking about with the White House. If you're going to send guidance out, please let us know so that we can talk to our Bureau of Land Management offices and say, you need to be able to process these things in a timely fashion so that you don't shut down the industries in our state.
0: Right. Get everyone on the same page again.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think one of the things, you you know, the the, the Biden administration is talking about this in the context of trying to be a good climate solution. Uh, And that's, you know, I I don't think a very sophisticated way of looking at this, that you hear it from time to time, keep it in the ground and all that. But, But the nation needs oil. The nation needs gas. The nation needs to move forward economically. And there is going to be demand. And if that demand is not met by places in like Wyoming and New Mexico and Alaska, where it's, highly regulated, carefully executed, done better than it is anywhere else in the world, all that production is just going to go offshore where it is not regulated, where emissions are not carefully thought about, and it's going to be climate negative uh, in that context. So again, it's just a matter of really making sure that we put America first, that we make sure that American leadership and innovation is something we showcase and celebrate.
0: Absolutely. Well, okay. So this kind of brings me to the to the next thing that I had noticed. Uh, you, I had seen within uh, a couple of days there was an an article published talking about a series of proposals that you have uh, been introducing to help the energy, tourism, and agriculture sector in Wyoming. And now this is separate from from what you had already been doing. Yes,
1: that is that is correct. Uh, the the uh, the, the a- agriculture. Uh, Initiative really is something that we started about a year, year and a half ago. Uh, really talking about Western uh, Western lands, public lands, and private lands, and and the real scourge of invasive species, which we're we're starting to deal with across the West. We put science together, uh, put a top flight panel, uh, came up with some recommendations. And those recommendations were codified into law, and so that's the that's the agricultural piece. There's other pieces of that coming along as well, but I'm really proud about the energy sector, um, and and Wyoming took. We had two existing um, authorities. One was a pipeline authority that had a lot to do with Kern River and some of the others uh, getting built, and the other was our infrastructure authority, which was designed around transmission and power plants and and so on. Well, we we put those together sort of out of energy efficiency and and stood up an energy authority. Um, And and so the law that I signed last, um, actually earlier this week, really was about uh, making sure that that was comprehensive. It included geothermal and something that in this you know, and, and Wyoming loves renewables, too. We, we, we love all energy. Um, but, but renewables are going to have to have battery technologies. And battery technologies are going to require rare earth elements and critical elements. And, and we, we know we can get some of those out of coal. We know that we can get some of those out of, uh, out of various other production methods that we have. And so we expanded the authority to be able to talk about all of those
0: sectors. Okay. So the Wyoming Energy Authority is basically over any kind of energy is what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, it's an ability to promote energy uh, and, and, and all energy. And, and again, you know, that's what's really essential for our country moving forward. We've led the way uh, and we can't lose step. Uh, we, we need to make sure that we move forward. I, I'm really proud of the fact that back in the 1980s, Wyoming was one of the very first, if not the first state, ever to have wind generation, right? Outside of Medicine Bow, both Hamilton Standard and Boeing had, uh, you know, windmills that were prototypes of what you what you see today. So so Wyoming really has led in energy all along. Energy Authority will help that. We also have a school of energy resources. Um, Holly Kupka uh, is, uh, Dr. Kupka is is the head of that. Uh, she is just a remarkable, remarkable uh, person of vision. Uh, we're, you know that's been able to talk about the integrated test center we have outside of Gillette where we're taking carbon dioxide emissions and, and figuring out ways that we can turn that into not a waste product or an emission, but something of value, something that we can use.
0: I was actually going to ask about that because I had seen that uh, it was talking about carbon capture and carbon byproducts being Wyoming's future, and I was curious to know what what the carbon byproducts would be used for.
1: Well, I'll give you a couple of examples. You, you know, we all know about the volatility of gas prices, uh, and and a lot of our carbon fibers are, are you know, derived from, from natural gas. Uh, coal has a much less... Volatile price structure. We have it is probably our most abundant resource in the, in the country, uh, and uh, the the chemistry is not that dissimilar. So if we can start to make carbon fibers out of coal, it's a much more predictable price for a feedstock. Uh, you, you know, we can start to manufacture what, what a lot of carbon fibers going into vehicles. Uh, I've I've talked with others about. You know, if we can get uh, aircraft quality carbon fiber, perhaps Wyoming can start to manufacture components of aircraft. Uh, we, we see Boeing, uh, Boeing fuselages going through on trains, and it would be nice to put some wings maybe manufactured in Wyoming on those trains as well. Uh, maybe even start manufacturing the planes here here in Wyoming. So I think there are some real opportunities uh, just Straight up in carbon fiber, advanced building materials, uh, and, and then some other things as well. Um, you know, biodiesels and other aspects of, uh, of, of byproducts of, of carbon carbon dioxide.
0: Nice. Well, because I had seen that it was talking about uh, basically preparing for the, the worldwide build out of solar and wind. Um, but so, okay, so with this worldwide build out, kind of sounds like you're actually moving more towards. Uh, trying to find maybe a balance and utilizing coal a bit more than than was previously is kind of what that sounds like. Is that am I am I kind of on the money there?
1: Yeah, it it, it very much uh, along those lines. Again, you know, all energy. Uh, it, wanting to make sure we have small modular nuclear. Wanting to make sure coal is part of that. And let me just let me just say, coal really. Renewables have uh, there's obviously they're much more economical than they used to be. They are a larger component of of the energy infrastructure, energy generation, electricity generation than they were. but they they cannot, uh, as of yet, replace what is dependable and reliable, which is which is our you know dispatchable fossil fuel sources like gas and and coal. And in fact, coal, I think, believe, you know, believe it or not, coal really holds kind of the key to removing carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere, uh, and, and, and that is this carbon capture and sequester technology. One of the pieces with agriculture we're looking at is how do we sequester more carbon dioxide and biomass. And then if we can incorporate some of that biomass as we burn our coal, we actually can end up with a carbon negative energy uh, electricity source. And, and if, you're, if you're really about the climate, uh, getting carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere and continuing to provide reliable, cheap energy, uh, that's, that's, that's the equation we want to solve for.
0: That, that was wonderful. And I'd, I'd wanted to to find out what about the coal and the new technologies would would create the reduction in air pollution, because I'd seen that in there, too. I, I think that that's going to be absolutely uh, just brilliant. I'm looking forward to hearing more about that. I guess if we since we are running short on time, is there anything that you would like to say anything that you think that people might need to know about um, in the coming future as it pertains to the oil and gas industry?
1: Uh, well, uh, well, well, Jenica, you, you, uh, thank you for for this opportunity, and, and let me say that y- you know having having a domestic, reliable domestic source, uh, being dependent on 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 what our country can produce, that's that's really important. I don't think we want to go back to you know the time when we weren't energy independent, and and we can obviously do it better here. Uh, so when when you're thinking about uh, oil and gas in our nation, you, you know you you got to look to our to our states. Uh, they're the they're the crucibles for innovation. They're the crucibles for moving uh, technology forward. Uh, and there's real opportunity here. And, and we have a very bright uh, view of what of what oil and gas means to Wyoming always has been a part ever since before statehood. Oil has been a part of our economy, and we look forward to it being part of it going long ways into the future.
0: So long story short, it's not going anywhere, it just might be evolving a little bit.
1: It is evolving, absolutely.
0: Well, wonderful. Thank you again so much for the time you, you spent talking with me about this, Governor Gordon. I'm very much looking forward to see how these, you it seems like you've got a lot of projects in the, you know, in the fire. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how all of this turns out and what comes next as far as uh, developments in the oil and gas industry over in Wyoming. I think there's a lot of people kind of holding their breath, waiting to find out.
1: Well, thank you, Jenica. Hopefully they won't have to hold their breath for long. They'll see that there's a great opportunity here and, and come and invest. Thank you.
0: I love it. Have a wonderful day. You too. All right, friends and listeners, that was Governor Mark Gordon from Wyoming talking with us a bit about the oil and gas industry, some developments, and uh, I'm sure that there's more coming. If you liked what you heard, make sure to go and check out more content across the crude life.com for continuous updates.